This is such a powerful section of the letter to the Hebrews that it bears repeating in its entirety. You have not approached that which could be touched, and a blazing fire, and gloomy darkness, and a storm, and a trumpet blast, and a voice speaking words such that those who heard begged that no message be further addressed to them. No, you have approached Mount Zion, and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and countless angels in festal gathering, and the assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven, and God, the judge of all, and the spirits of the just made perfect, and Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and the sprinkled blood that speaks more eloquently than that of Abel. See that you do not reject the one who speaks. For if they did not escape when they refused the one who warned them on earth, Moses, how much more in our case if we turn away from the one who warns from heaven? His voice shook the earth at that time, but now he has promised, I will once more shake not only earth, but heaven. That phrase, once more, points to the removal of, the, of shaken created things, so that what is unshaken may remain. Therefore we, are, we who are receiving the unshakable kingdom should have gratitude, with which we should offer worship pleasing to God in reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. The first part is referencing the experience of the Israelites at Mount Sinai where they received the Ten Commandments. They were ordered by God not to touch, not even to touch, Mount Sinai, while God was giving Moses the Ten Commandments. I skipped the two verses that speak about that in Hebrews, as does our reading this weekend. Even to touch the foot of the mountain was a death sentence. The people were afraid of the presence of God on the mountain. God allowed them to continue in that kind of thought, but I do not believe it was his preferred way for them to act. I believe God would have loved it if the Israelites could have openly and willingly embraced coming up the mountain with Moses, but they were afraid, and that is part of the point that is being made here in Hebrews. When we are expecting to come close to God, we are not to be afraid. In fact, we hear of a greater lit of a great litany of points that should encourage us in our pursuit of God, even as he pursues us. Listen to these words from Hebrews again. You have approached Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and countless angels in festal gathering and the assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven and God the judge of all and the spirits of the just made perfect and Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and the sprinkled blood that speaks more eloquently than that of Abel. I believe this section of Hebrews is one of the most important sections in the letter. We hear in this section the difference between the Israelites of the Old Testament and the Christians of the New Testament. This is something we really need to think clearly about. The Old Testament, nation of Israel, could not look on the face of God without running the risk of being killed, and they were afraid of that. The New Testament church, in a quite opposite view, looks forward to the vision of Jesus, whom we know is God. So, how are we to act as we draw near to this all-holy God? Maybe another question to be answered is, what is the virtue of the fear of the Lord? The virtue of the fear of the Lord is not a matter of being afraid of God. It is a reaction of love when we encounter the all-holy, all-loving, all-merciful, majestic, and eternal God. The fear of the Lord is love. It is not being afraid of God. What or who is it we have approached? Should we tremble with fear, or should we tremble with anticipation? 
Should our fear of the Lord be an example of our weakness, or should we should our love be expressed in excitement? These are the options that the writer to the Hebrews in the first part of our reading presents to us. But I want to go on to the second second part now. Our writer and Bible scholars are still trying to figure out if it was St. Paul, <laughs> tells us next that we who are receiving the unshakable kingdom should have gratitude with which we should offer worship pleasing to God in reverence and awe. This, I believe, is his response to what I just said. Jesus tells us in his Gospels, in his own words, not to live in fear, for it has pleased our Heavenly Father to give us the kingdom. Gratitude, by its very nature, is a form of love. We are in the process of receiving this unshakable kingdom that is a pure gift from God. The Holy Spirit is the first fruits of the kingdom. When we live in the Holy Spirit, we offer God worship that is pleasing to him because it is driven by his love, who is the Holy Spirit. Now comes the last line of scripture for today. For our God is a consuming fire. This is my personal opinions. So this is my personal opinion. So as I say, red flag. I declare a red flag whenever I'm giving my opinion and I have not found any reference to that opinion in any of the other writings of the church. Why is God called a consuming fire? It is because of his burning love, his all-consuming love for us. Personally, and this is the red flag, I think the fire of heaven and the fire of God's love is going to be more intense than the fire of hell. It will be hotter in heaven than it will be in hell because of the fire of God's love. But we will be tempered, prepared for that intense fire of love, either because of our work here on earth or because of purgatory or both. The fire of God's love burns so intensely that only those who can withstand it, because they have been prepared for it, will be able to enter the Holy of Holies that is heaven. Again, I repeat those words of, of longing that our writer gave us. You have approached Mount Zion and the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem, and countless angels in festal gathering, and the assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven, and God the judge of all, and the spirits of the just made perfect, and Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and the sprinkled blood that speaks more eloquently than that of Abel. Yes, this is our destiny. So we pray. Lord Jesus, temper us with the fire of your love, Make us long for the presence of the fire of heaven. We do not choose to live in fear, but in the fire of love. Give us the virtue of fear of the Lord that will make us yearn for your presence in our lives because of our love for you. Help us to burn with longing for your gifts, not just for the gifts themselves, but because they are signs to us of your eternal fire of love. Amen.